episode 110 of the cool room the friends in your ears who talk about beers we have a massive night ahead of us tonight in the best possible sense uh mr banks are going to join us my good friend travis will introduce them in a minute uh i just want to do a very quick call out to say thank you to everyone who's been listening in and buying the packs and to make sure that you haven't missed the opportunity to buy some amazing beers coming up. Uh, we're going to have a special homebrew session with some of our favourite cool rumours having brewed their own beers. That'll be live on Thursday, the 11th of November, next week. Then we're going to have Vault City uh, dialing in from Scotland with some amazing sour beers. There's very few packs of that left. Make sure you jump over onto the Shopify and grab that. And then Moondog for their 10th anniversary uh, if you buy one of those packs, you're guaranteed, amongst five other beers, uh, to get a 10th anniversary jumping the shark. There's going to be such a difficulty in grabbing those beers if you haven't found a way to order them already. So grab those, put your order in, and a big thank you to everyone who subscribes to the monthly packs um, that allowed us to drop all of those things off to you and just to have basically everything lined up in our lives. Uh, for the next few weeks. At this time of the year, with everyone returning to pubs and everything in Melbourne, returning to drinking at breweries, as we're going to talk about with the team from Mr Banks in a moment, um, there's a whole lot of things going on. It's so appreciated, everyone who's supporting the uh, the cool room as it continues on its merry journey. Um, speaking of merry journeys, Travis Bristos, how's your merry journey going, my friend? Hello, David. Uh, my merry journey is going well, I think. It's weird being out of lockdown and allowed to go back in and drink pints of beer in a pub. Are you ready for a merry journey tonight? I feel like we're sort of Hansel and Gretel sitting off, you know, on a, on a happy little morning jaunt. And we're going to, by the end of the night, end up in the forest with some big bad wolves of beers. Yeah, it's got this vibe going on even in the chat tonight where it's almost as if we're not really sure what we're getting ourselves into. In the best possible <laughs> sense. Yes. Um, as David just alluded to, we, we're going to get through uh, four beers from Mr. Banks tonight, hopefully. I say hopefully because some of these beers we're going to try tonight are, are going to be pretty epic. Um we're going to start with the most subtle, but before we do, Chris and Morgan, welcome back to the call room, guys. How are we? Good. Thanks for having us, guys. It's good to be back. It's, uh, it's, it's good to have you back. It's, um, it's obviously been a while, and uh, I think tonight's going to be quite an epic, epic night. Um, before we kick off talking about the first beer, uh, which is the Pilsner, the foam, um, we've got a lot of new listeners since last time you guys were on um, and we keep growing and growing and growing. We've got random listeners in Norwegian places and 
parts oh, of remind Europe. Remind me to that... talk about the Norwegian event later on. Oh, yes, that's a good that, Yep, we will get to that. We'll get to that. Give us a bit of an insight, guys. Um, how One, how are things going? But uh, in amongst all that, let us do something a little different. I don't think we did this last time that you guys were on. Can you guys introduce each other and tell us what the other's favourite beer style might be? <laughs> Let's start with you, Chris. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm Chris and I'm introducing Morgan. Uh, Morgs is, me and my wife Penny like to call him our third, like fourth, third child, the fourth, fifth member of our family. Um, he's been with us probably... I think from about one year in. So we, uh, we stole him across from Hawkers when, when I realized that I was no good at selling beer. So um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's very much part of the furniture down there. Um, he's, yeah, he's head of all sales. And basically if you are, you want to try and buy beer, you got to talk to Morgs. I reckon Morgs's favorite style of beer. Oh, well, I know it's, his favorite style of beer is, uh, a form of red IPA, but I think he's uh, he's he's actually also really really into his white Russians recently. The cocktail, Ooh. so Ooh. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's interesting. I like the idea of a red IPA and a white Russian. So that's um, I from the look on your face, and this is really bad podcasting, but is he right, Morgan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty close. I mean, you don't mix them all at once. That's, uh, that's one thing I learned during lockdown. <laughs> you can have them, you can have them close together, but not all at the same time. Uh, but no, pretty, pretty bang on. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'll introduce Chris. So I'm Morgan. I'm introducing Chris. He's the owner. Uh, he's a real father figure to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> uh, um, no, <laughs> no, he's, uh, Chris is our owner and head brewer. Uh, he started Mr. Banks. Um, while he's the owner, the real owner is Banks, the the chocolate lab, which is the the brewery is named after uh, Labrador and Banks. He runs he runs the real show. Um, and I I know Chris's favorite beer style because it, he demanded he wouldn't come on unless we actually put it in the podcast tonight and we wouldn't drink it first, which is uh, Pilsner. He loves a loves a lager, but above all else, a nice clean German Pils, which is. The first one we got. So I didn't want to skip ahead too much and introduce it and steal any thunder from you guys. But um, yeah, oh, that's, no. <laughs> that's we love more... a segue. You've 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 done that beautifully. We we <laughs> had a guest on a couple of weeks ago that stole all our questions and literally ran the show. So this is uh, this is just regular territory for oh, us. Oh, perfect. Now, I think so. Seamless. Um, yeah. Um, but before before we get on to talking about the Pilsner, um, give us a bit of an insight into you know the brewery and and where it is. Uh, along with, uh, and I guess this is a question for Chris, uh, how did it all start? Um, so the brewery is in Seaford, uh, which if you don't know where Seaford is, it's uh, just north of Frankston. So we're in a nice, uh, nice safe neighbourhood there. Um, nah, it's Picturesque. Um, I love Seaford. It's genuinely one of my favourite areas during lockdown. <laughs> I reckon I've spent more time delivering beer to Seaford than virtually anywhere else yeah, right. in the last 18 uh, months. Hmm. The beach is very underrated. It's an amazing beach. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it's pretty private, so it's pretty great. Um, yeah, so we started the brewery five and a half years ago now, nearly six. Um, took about a year to set up um, in between. I was doing other things. Um, 
But from where I learned how to brew beer was just like many, many before me, just in the garage and sort of figured it out along the way and uh, a lot of dumping beer. I wasn't, I wasn't really one of those people that sort of brewed beer and then just sat around and drank it all the time. We try it. Me and a mate who started the brewery originally with me, um, we would try the beer and then basically dump the corny keg and go again. So we'd do that every, you know, until we thought we were getting closer. Um, but yeah, sort of just progressed there and then went to a few, uh, a few sort of, I went to a few talks during Good Beer Week about probably seven or eight years ago and it just got me really, really keen to uh, sort of jump in and get involved. So I actually ended up hitting up uh, hitting up Scotty at Wolf of the Willows and he was he was a, a big early mentor for me, to be honest, um, and sort of allowed me to come along and, you know, kindly give my uh, my time for for staffies of beer to help bottle on the bowling line. So they were, they were fun days, but I learned so much. Just, you know, I was a sponge at that stage and just anything he taught me or anything I saw going on, I just, I just took it all in um, and just took nothing for granted. And just, yeah, that's pretty much how we started, but it was just from loving brewing beer. Um, I don't do it very much these days, unfortunately, but um, yeah. Can I jump in there with sort of the question about what you do instead? Because, you know, part of what we do in the podcast is sort of tell the stories about what it's like to run venues or breweries or other places. So you start a brewery because you want to brew beer. What do you spend your days doing now that isn't brewing the beer? Um, I still, I'm still 100% involved in the recipes, um, the development of all the recipes and, um, and still the day-to-day running completely of it. But you know, we've got three brewers now below us. I don't like to call myself a head brewer because I don't feel like I ever quite got that qualification or anything to call myself that. But um, yeah, so I've got three guys that brew below us. And uh, yeah, my day to day is ordering. Yep. Entering um, things on zero. Yeah, <laughs> doing that. My, uh, the marketing side of the social media, which is why we are very flippant with our social media. Some weeks we're really good. Some weeks we're god awful. That's all my fault. Um, yeah, pretty much all the things that we do wrong as a business and a brewery is me. Um, but then I'd like to say that a lot of things we do right is me too. So <laughs> Yeah, I chip in on the wrong stuff. Let's just don't try and hoggle the hoggle the glory there. Yeah. Everyone, everyone does a bit of wrong. Don't worry. Mm. Shall we? We shall move on and talk about this pilsner. We guys, we've had quite a few pilsners on the podcast recently, um, and I, I, last year we probably didn't have a lot of pilsners. It seems to be more of a, a really recent thing, which is which is super cool because they're, they're clearly starting to make a bit of a comeback. Um, give us a bit of an insight. What, what makes this a Banks Pilsner? Um, so we all three, all, all four, myself included, brewers at the brewery. Um, I mean, more, everyone basically at the brewery loves lagers um, and Pilsners. So we, it's something that it's a little bit of a passion project for us that, for the last couple of years, I've really been pushing on Morgs to sell. Um, and he's finally let us sneak a couple in. So it's, uh, it's, it's getting, you know, it's getting a little bit easier for him to actually move them uh, these days, which is good. What makes it us? We, I think our biggest approach to lagers is simplicity. 
and time. Um, this one especially is 100% vitamin for multiple pills, the Bohemian pills. Um, and it's just uh, a traditional lager yeast. It's got Perlet hops in the world. Uh, no, as the boil hops, the 60-minute edition, and then it's got a little bit of Perlet and Halitan Middlefra in Whirlpool. So it's super simple. Um, we do a few methods that we have sort of come up with or, you know, learnt over the years that we think give us the character that we really like and, and make it, you know, I think quite a traditional Pilsner, a German Pilsner. It's, it's probably, if anything, it's lacking maybe a touch of that bitterness, but... I really like that in this beer. And, and this is like, this is the beer I've drank the most of out of any beer that we have ever made for a long, consistent period. So it's, um, yeah, oh, we also, it, it's a hundred, uh, it's almost a hundred percent naturally carbonated too. So we, we try and fund all of our lagers um, and then give them a uh, minimum four weeks uh, in tank, minimum. And that's only if we're really rushed. We like to really go sort of five to six for most of them, depending yeah. on the time frame. But um, yeah, I think I think simplicity, uh, a few of the things that we do, and then um, the natural carbonation really is one of the big things as well. So, can we can we go back a bit and touch on the the hops of this? Um, can everyone likes to have a good hop chat? Can you give us a bit of a breakdown on? on each of the hops and, and what it's really bringing to this because it's it's a bang on Pilsner. It's uh, I think the listeners out there would be really interested to know more about the hops. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, Perlet is a pretty traditional German hop, noble hop, um, grassy, a little bit sort of floral, earthy. Um, and then Halitam that has a little bit, a little bit more of that sort of noble fruity character. Um, I think we get, it's not a lot of hops that go into this beer. I think we're getting so much of the character. Like, obviously, the hops are bringing it, but I think personally so much of the character is coming from the yeast, esters, and the natural carbonation. Um, there is a touch of sulfur in there, but, like, we quite like that personally ourselves, and we also don't filter um, or centrifuge. Uh, that's not to say we won't. When we can afford a centrifuge, we may get one. But, um, yeah, it's just... I think I think as much as the hops are playing a part in there in this beer specifically, it's it's as much that natural carbonation that's giving so much character, just retaining so much character. We've we've got a few questions in the chat, and there literally was going to be the next thing I was going to ask. Tell us about the natural carbonation because I'm not sure we've we've had this discussion in the core room before, and I think as soon as you said natural carbonation, everyone's ears perked up as to. What is that? What is the process of that? Uh, so nat natural carbonation is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's using the beer to, to carbonate the beer itself. So we we actually do it on 95% of our beers um, where we can, even our heavily dry hop beers and our heavily fruited sours. Um, so as soon as we get our last, for, for say the non-lagers, as soon as we get... Um, our last dry hops in or our last fruit addition or something like that, we'll cap the tank. So shut the tank up and then we'll, we've got spunding valves on every tank and we'll just set the spunding valve to a certain pressure and then it will just hold CO2 head pressure on the tank, which forces its way into the beer. And then once you crash the beer, 
it takes it on even more so. So we do that, yeah, across so many. So by the time it it, it retains hot character, it retains flavour, um, it retains fruit character when you're adding a lot of fruit to a beer as well. But um, it also means you have to use less CO2 as well when you actually go to carbonate the beer. So the CO2 is pretty aggressive on beer so and it scrubs out a lot of flavour and character. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty simple. You'd literally just close the tank. It's You could do it if you trusted your pressure relief valves, but we don't trust them well enough. So it's uh, it's much easier to control with uh, with a spunding valve. And it's just, you you would have seen them, if you haven't seen them before, you would have probably and just not known what it is. It's just normally sits on the T of the tank. It's a plastic tube that's got a rod coming up and it'll just be blowing off, um, blowing blowing off CO2. So, so your tank doesn't explode. You ever had an exploding issue? No. Touch wood. Touch wood. <laughs> that's good to hear. That's, that's good to hear. There's there's so many pilsners out there at the moment, especially in Melbourne. Like I feel like every brewery we've had on in recent time, we've we've had a pilsner. Um what what's your take on it, Chris? And maybe even Morgan from a selling point of view as well. It's you know, what's brought this this new wave of pilsners about? How's it all yeah, you know, it's growing again. Uh, tell us about your take on it. My personal take on it is like purely just drinkability. Um, I think, you know, everyone out there has gone through a lot of palate fatigue over the last 10 years um, as the Australian craft beer has sort of risen. But um, and just being able to have like a really well, I think especially Australian lagers and pilsners have gotten a lot better too. So um, I think, like obviously, other than generic lagers, but yeah, I think it's just a it's a drinkability thing. I think it's it, like it's also a little bit of brewers being selfish and forcing people to drink the beers that they want to drink. I think as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's just across the board, lagers are getting better and. Who knows? Maybe with global warming, it's getting hotter. It's easier to drink a lager, but um, yeah, it's easier to drink a, a crisp, dry beer that you can have a few of. So, well, that's an interesting take in the cool room for this week. Being mm. uh, subtly political, that's um, yeah. well done there, Chris. I like that. That's. Um... <laughs> can I um, ask a question before we move on? Sorry, Trevor. Okay, no, go for are it. There, are there particular lagers you take inspiration from? You know, whether it be Australian ones or sort of old world ones that you know you sort of highlight or places you've been or lagers you remember having you know in a particular bar somewhere once upon a time you know yeah yeah definitely um i mean we all grew up well i grew up drinking you know in the early days really bad lager um there was times where you know we'd splurge and and get ourselves of uh heineken imports or something like that and and rave how good it was um i did i used to be in a band and we used to travel a bit. Um, now, hang, hang on, that sounds like you're burying the story there. Uh, we just, there what was the name of the band? I'm just I, can't, for the... <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I can't remember what the band's name was. Um, anyway, we used to, uh, yeah, we travelled Europe a few times and stuff like that, so we definitely drank some, some really good, you know, German, European lagers and stuff like that over there. Um, I think variations on like with me and my wife personally travel to America a fair bit to get inspiration and just see where they're at and stuff like that. And I think 
a lot of their lager brewing has gotten better over time um, or has gotten more to my liking over time. It's gone from really hoppy lagers and, and IPLs and stuff like that into the more traditional. Um, last time we were there, we went to Frame in, uh, where was that, Port just outside of Portland, which was amazing. Their lagers were incredible. Um, I try hit up Aldi whenever the uh, the Oktoberfest beers come on sale and snag a couple of bargains because they're generally pretty fresh and pretty delicious. So, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing, there's not really a specific um, a specific lager itself, but just, yeah, a sort of array of... Chris, I totally understand when I'm on my way to Seaford and I have to get off the train at Mordialic at the moment to get the bus. Um, there's nothing like I like more than dropping into the Mordialic Aldi. So there's a phrase you thought yeah. I'd never say out of my mouth. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they get some deals sometimes. Oh, they, they that one in particular really yeah. does. Yeah. Well, do we need to like beep out the word Aldi when we do the edit on this podcast or are we allowed to advertise Aldi on the call room? Is that? We're not really advertising. We're more. Oh, hello, Warren. Hello. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Woo's in the house. Yeah, everyone that. else in the room said hello, but you guys, I don't know what's going on. Um, um, yeah, it's not advertising. We're just offering an opinion about their beer range in the months of September and October. That is that is that is a fair that is a fair point there, Warren. And yeah. um, I think that's almost a good time to move on. It's amazing that Warren just uh, chimes in, and then we don't get to introduce him. But for the listeners out there. Warren must have arrived at a point when we got stuck talking about Pilsners. So uh, welcome to episode 110, Warren. 110? <laughs> I know, right? How crazy is that? 110. Um, and for those that want to reference back to Mr. Banks last time, I hope I get this right. I'm pretty sure it was episode 67 that they were on last time. So um, if you can think about that over the last sort of pandemic year, um 67 to, to 110 is quite epic that's um quite amazing warren you're going to take us to our next beer which i'm really looking forward to because the name of this beer is pretty much all i've done during lockdown um apart from recording podcasts of course but it's um warren yeah over, over to you all right so yeah i'm really i'm kind of excited because i got the Hanging out, playing Nintendo, which is probably the the beer where, I don't know, I haven't had many beers sell me on the name alone, but this beer actually has done that. And then you crack it open and lo and behold, it is exactly what's in the can. Lots and lots of good old fun stuff. Uh, what, firstly, we, we should start with, 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 what's what's in the can um chris do you want to talk us through what we should be tasting and what we see when we pour it out of the glass and give us a little bit of a a guided um tasting of the of this double dry hopped ipa yeah sure so uh on first pour it should be bright crystal bright um no it's a it's a hazy ipa uh, so, I'm genuinely worried for a moment there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a hazy IPA. Um, it's our first one we've made, so don't, don't hurt us on that one. Um, <laughs> Hold on, what? It's the first one you've made? Yeah. Um, wow. So it's, you know, it's, we use a lot of similar sort of 
techniques on base recipes for uh, a lot of these hazy IPAs and let the hops do the same thing. Um, yeast is pretty much across the board the same one for all these sort of beers for us. Uh, we use London 3 from Y Yeast. Um, the characters you should be getting from this beer, it's sorry, it's hopped with Talus and Nelson. Um, reasonably heavily, we've over the over the last probably 18 months really been dialing in our sort of hopping techniques and regimes. Um, and they are completely different to what they were 18, you know, 18 months ago. Um, which has contributed a few different things for us that we found. Um to, to be more of a beer that uh, that we sort of, I don't know, probably an easier beer for us to make and know the outcome. Um, but yeah, what you're going to get from Talos and Nelson is, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of tropical fruit. Um, Nelson is obviously got that wine characteristic that, you know, people either love or hate. I personally, I personally love Nelson. It's probably my second favorite hop. Um, <clears throat> What's your, uh, what's your favourite? Sorry, that just begs that question. Ah, Citra. You can't, you can't get past Citra. Um, yeah, it's it's great. We can now, for the last, COVID was actually handy for us in that sense. We were able to actually contract some Nelson and have now got a little bit contracted for the next couple of years as well. So, um, yeah, you, you sort of get that, a lot of that tropical fruit and a little bit, like, obviously, dankness um, from Nelson as well. Tell us. Talus is, if people didn't know, I'm sure a lot of you would know, um, is a sibling basically to Sabro. Um, I think, I think, I think Talus is a really good hop. I think Sabro is a good hop when it's used well. Um, it's it's a, a much more fickle hop, Sabro. Uh, I get from Talus, I get all the really nice coconut characteristics without the reef tanning oil characteristic mm-hmm. that Sabro can bring. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's a tropical fruity punch bowl of a beer, really. Um, soft, fairly soft mouthfeel. Um, we don't, we don't brew a lot, unless it's an oat cream IPA, we don't brew a lot of our hazy IPAs to be on that super sweet, more sort of what, what we call it the brewery, the English style of hazy IPA. Um, we sort of brew it to be a little bit, a little bit drier, a, a lot less dry than what we used to be. Um, though, which is what I was sort of referring to um, with the way of our hopping techniques and regimes mm. that we that we used to do as opposed to what we do now. That that brings up a really good question, Chris, and kind of ties into the one I was going to ask. So how are the hops used? How, yeah, how, how have you used the hops in this, this, um, this beer and when have you kind of put them in? And how has that changed from how you used to brew Hazy's? Yep. So when we first started brewing hazies, um, we we would basically we did no you know hot side hops, no whirlpool hops, none of thing like that. We used to throw in all of our hops. Either we occasionally would throw some in, um, you know, on pitch of yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't do that anymore. But we would throw maybe seventy percent of our dry hop bill during like for, for the bio transformation yep. for the dry hop. So, so, like so three or four. So Chris, is that, is it so instead of throwing the hops in when you're pitching, you're just waiting a little while before you, you're throwing those hops in. So you get, yeah. is that so the, we, 
we don't we don't do that technique really anymore at all. Um, okay. The the on pitch, we didn't see enough results in that. Um, and yeah, just when we first started making them, we you know because we were figuring it out, uh, we we were doing yeah a, a much larger hopping rate in the yeah. first dry hop and letting us basically gain all our character, um, you know, all our tropical fruit and juiciness mm -hmm. um, from that. And then using the second dry hop, basically just as like a top up on aroma um, and not bringing much more than a little bit of a punch up on aroma. But we were seeing like something that we worked on for a really long time. Um, we were seeing like really, really big levels of hot creep. Um, like uh, huge so that were the beers the beers were insanely juicy but they were way drier than we ever wanted them to be yep that makes sense yeah uh i reckon morgan's been pretty quiet since i got on late at 6 50 let's throw a couple of questions at him and give chris a bit of a, a rest although we could listen to chris talk the whole night away um so Morgan, uh, when, so there's there's a there seems to be a massive love and desire for for uh, Mr. Banks beers. Um, it's so how quickly does a does something like this sell out? Like how how quickly are you getting through um, a, a seasonal like this? Uh, generally, generally speaking, it sort of does depend on the, the style you make, but for the most part now we tend to see our stuff sell out on pre-sale. So we'll put it yeah. to trade, um, the way we sort of operate, we, we probably don't have a, <laughs> we've talked about trying to get like a really good rhythm going. We've never been able to nail it, but we've also found that probably being a little bit inconsistent with our releasing schedule, it sort of works a little bit. So we're not trying to flood the market or just put too much out there for people to constantly pick up. But with that said, people always want to try something new. So that's always a bit of a balancing act. But something like this, like just a DDH, DDH um, hazy IPA, you know, we find they'll, a double IPA will, will print sell out immediately. Something like this might last an extra week. Uh, funnily enough, this one, this particular one, hanging out playing Nintendo, uh, it went really fast. And I had lots of attempted reorders, but we sold it on that first week uh, in all of our channels from wholesale to online to Salador. It was all, it was all gone very fast. I'm not sure if that was the name. Um, it was a very carefully uh, chosen and constructed name by Chris and I. Uh, that was that was uh, worked on over many months. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but no, it, this 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 one was uh, I think name label sort of played into this one. But also, I mean, the liquid itself. It's such a really nice just drinking IPA, and uh, you know, Chris described the flavors of it pretty well. I just really enjoyed drinking it personally. But um, I'm not a brewer. <laughs> I don't know. Just on the name there, guys, I'm just going to chime in there, Warren. Go. When, sure. you, when you came up with the name, because there's been a few people that have mentioned this in the chat tonight, and it's something that I picked up on the first time I had it, was something in the back of your mind about hops when you created the name, or was it completely just not even thought about? We lifted it. We lifted it straight. <laughs> we, uh, I, don't know, I don't know where this exactly all started from, but one of the... we. I mean, so much of our the naming of our beers is just pop culture references. Um, and this was, I think the amount of times, like, coming in on a Monday morning, like, I, Chris had asked me, I asked, asked him in the office, oh, what'd you get up to on the weekend? Oh, yeah, just hanging out, playing Nintendo. 
which is from from I, I thought everyone would recognize it immediately so maybe i was a bit disappointed that people didn't but it's from uh basketball it's yeah. one of the, it's, the guys just throw that around in like one of the opening scenes and we always yeah we're just that's just one of our favorite movies we thought it was really funny and we thought let's just make name a beer, a beer that will it's gonna be a one and done so we don't you know we it's not going to be out in trade for a long time so did, uh, it, it's a it's a quote we just thought it was a fun name to chuck uh, did you wonder at any point in time that um the people that were buying the beer these days craft beer drinkers probably were too young to remember basketball uh it did occur to us but uh you know this, this whole thing's a vanity project it's, it's about what we want <laughs> i there's something beautiful about vanity projects and the fact that you kind of feel like yeah, like sometimes it's okay to be on the outside of an in joke. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's okay to just be like, I don't get that, but I'm sure the people who made this think it's ridiculously funny. And I'm gonna buy that just to see. Like, yeah. Which is pretty um, much what happened when I brought my can when I saw it in the shelf. It was literally the Nintendo aspect. And it wasn't until I got it home that I realized there was the basketball aspect. And then yeah. I noticed the hop Nintendo. There's, there's probably like two people actually four people who've seen basketball and it's you know the ones with their mics unmuted probably um so going on I, I, so the next question we, we're gonna ask and we're gonna skip it's kind of we're gonna skip over it because part of it's boring like the, the question is in the viewpoint of a of someone who's in charge of sales what are the advantages of working with a hot hot brand but that's as boring as shit because like oh, gee, i'm sorry stuff Warren, I, I'll, stop writing, I'll stop writing your questions for you brother <laughs> no, mean, please don't yeah, yeah i'm so sorry no, no 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 it's easy from now on <laughs> your bit will just be redacted you know when you see a good foi application there's be this yeah. big redacted <laughs> a big, a big black big bunch of black marks where i try to figure out what a, the hell the question that'll be warren stick why do I feel right now like I'm the child interfering with my parents having a lover's tiff? Let's bring this back on track, nah, guys. You're, you're the nah, it's someone else has run into the ring and you're still standing there just trying to get tagged in. That's what's happening. <laughs> anyway, so what are the disadvantages, Morgan, of being being like the sales guy of a of a we, we've got to say it, a hot, a pretty hot brand. Like everyone loves mr banks um or the craft community are really into the beers and what they do so yeah when you've got a, a hot commodity what really sucks what what's hard about that um just being recognized in the streets like a local celebrity <laughs> now just <laughs> um uh no i don't know i mean it, it's i mean I, I chris said at the start i used to work for hawkers previously yeah. um and Hawkers, sorry, that, that makes it sound like I'm prefacing it that Hawkers are, you know, they're not a hot brand. But no, it was more, when I was at Hawkers, I was a part of a larger sales team. Uh, and it's yep. a much, and Hawkers are a much bigger, bigger beer, uh, you know, brewery than we are. Uh, I'm the only salesperson. So it's, the disadvantages is just sort of trying to spin all, a lot of plates. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't speak to, you know, uh, I guess what, what's the disadvantage of being a hot brand? For me, it's more, we i'm trying to sell to uh workload. we've got distributors into workload yeah it's we're just trying to we work with interstate distributors trying to manage everything in victoria and to make sure all the customers all the customers we have in victoria at the very least and interstate are mat, uh, you know sort of we're able to get them be, get them beer because ultimately we want to make sure that the beer gets to everyone we really want to make sure that our beer gets out there to 
um, just to all the people that drink it and all the people that love it and then keeps reaching new people. Um, so I guess the, the maybe the, I guess probably from this at this point now that the big challenge is just trying to make sure that we're able to sort of get it to all the places we need to be and be able to field all, all the sort of all the inquiries and and sometimes you get some inquiries from just squirrely ones about you know just weird businesses that might inquire inquire with you like why do you want to set up an account? Like, it doesn't make necessarily sense as to why Ooh, you're trying like, to get it. Like, what type of business? Like, like uh, some sort of podcast <laughs> that, you know, who yeah. likes uh-huh. that year of... I, no, just like people who kind of set up an account, uh, I've just had a couple of really, let's say aviation-based, that have tried to set up accounts. And I'm just like, this seems odd. And it's but like not, but not for, but it, in terms of aviation, I'm talking not like commercial aviation as in yeah. like, you know, flying no, 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 no. It was Qantas. Hey, let's let's open up the doors. Let's get that Qantas cash in. I mean, some um, of the beers we're going to be going to are going to be, you know, sort of moving up in alcohol levels. Is it? Are they looking for fuel? Well, or... I mean, if we were talking about a high alcohol, we're talking about a completely different podcast. But um, high alcohol and in, in flying, I should say. Um, no, no. It just like I guess sometimes you're getting inquiries. I think from people that maybe setting up beer. Look, customers that aren't necessarily alcohol or business fo- or alcohol industry focused trying to set up accounts clearly trying to get beer that's i guess they're trying to get beer at wholesale price and they're just like my, it could be somewhere really random that's like you're clearly not going to sell it they're just trying to get their hands on it at a wholesale price rather than mm. um going through a good, a good retail event before i got into the industry and you blew it yeah it's <laughs> now i feel like morgan's just giving me an idea for the place i work at to try to get wholesale beer prices this is brilliant like, yeah that you're not you're not the first one trev Play out. <laughs> and and now that liquor licenses don't cost anything at the moment uh everyone's throwing no, no, warren they do i can assure you I'm oh they to, back. happy to share they, the price <laughs> do you have to pay for them again damn right over covid you didn't like we've we've oh if you trust, if you want to deliver beer off the internet, trust me, you pay for that. Oh, really? Me and oh. Dan Murphy pay the same price, as far as I can tell. Oh, well, that sucks for you. Damn right. Not for Dan Murphy, though. He's <laughs> all right. But as as Mark says in the chat, at least I've got a sh- garden shed, which has actually got a red line on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God, um, Morgan. Uh, I'm going to throw a word at you and I want you to see what thoughts it brings up. Expansion, expansion or, or maybe growth. Are you guys, is that anything? Do you want a one word answer or? um... No, no. Give me lots of words. Oh, okay. If it was one word. Which might be a scoop, which (laughs) might be some sort of, we're building an enormous new brewery in, I don't know wherever. Tire. Um, <laughs> Tire. <laughs> or, yeah. We've got our eyes on property all the time. You know, <laughs> Chris has deep pockets. So there's <laughs> nothing like a European concert tour to give you a whole lot of money in the pocket. Um, <laughs> Boy, it wasn't um, the sort of band. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, Morgan, what was the name of the band just before you answer the expansion thing? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I really want to get that next, that, that Christmas bonus. <laughs> I might lose it. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure the band name will come up in the Q and A later on, or if there's, or if, there, if, we're, if we're already in the Q and A. But uh, uh, no, in terms of expansion, we uh, we've we've sort of had mini expansions. We've never tried to. Uh, I mean, Chris would probably speak to this better than I would, but um, we've never tried to expand 
we've always tried to expand just gradually um, to make sure we can keep all of the, as much as what we could do. So we don't, um, we don't do any contract brewing. We don't try to get brewing contracted out. We try and do yep. all our own logistics. Uh, we do all our own sales and, it, with the exception of probably interstate, we have distributors that work for us in New South, Queensland, WA, TAS, and SA now, um, which has sort of happened. Uh, Queensland and WA has been a bit longer, but SA, TAS, and New South a little bit more recently. Yep. Um, but the growth has always been about making sure that we can control everything we're making to sort of maintain the quality of the product or sorry, product, main quality, maintain the quality of the beer, maintain just sort of that sort of person, I want to say personal edge, but just make sure that we, uh, we're that everything like the chain from us actually selling it is really closely tied to us. So we are controlling the beer as closely as possible to when it leaves the brewery, to when it gets to the person who's cracking the can and drinking its hand. So uh, yeah, I mean, there will be more growth, more expansion in time. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly uh, COVID sort of been a bit interesting for us. Um, I mean, it's, we've been selling lots of beer, there's lots of beer going at the door we've all been working extremely hard for a long time and, and, and the challenges are there. Obviously we, we see a huge demand in can or pack. And then it, then when pubs reopen, we see the sort of the adjustment to that and you try to balance the volume and, mm-hmm. and obviously COVID has been sort of been up and down for the last couple of years, uh, you know, in terms of out of lockdown, we're in it, we're in lockdown, which, you know, I don't need to tell people about, we're all experiencing it. Um, but yeah, just trying to adjust to those volumes on the fly a little bit. I mean, they're good problems to have in a lot of ways, but it sort of does sort of make it difficult to go, all right, where are we at with growth? Is, is this sustained? Is this is this going to be the same? Or or is this just a little bit of an illusion in terms of people at home, they're drinking more beers or, you know, it's sort of hard to read sometimes. So oh. we've, you know, we've sort of expand, we've been able to expand slowly uh, within this time, um, within the sort of COVID last couple of years. And, and we've sort of navigated our way through that pretty well. And we've been able to sort of take on more team members and we've been able to sort of grow our, our sales reach, uh, which is not without some massive challenges within itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, in a word, growth is inevitable. It will continue to come. We will continue to grow. <laughs> awesome. Growth is inevitable. Sounds like the uh, third T-shirt coming yeah, out of tonight's uh, podcast. One I shouldn't say we'll have to make one of these T-shirts because no, that takes gold. all the fun out of it. It does, doesn't it? But oh, I just want one. Um, on that note, I reckon we could take a break. Why don't we do that, Warren Wu? Why don't we all take a little break, uh, particularly for Morgan and Chris, but for everyone who's in the room with us tonight, let's all just take a little five-minute opportunity to go outside, powder our nose, breathe some fresh air, and um, we're going to come back with some massive heavy hitters. Uh, We can't wait to talk about those, and um, we'll take a little break now, Travis, and I'll do a clap. Welcome back to one of the favourite nights that we have every year. These are things that are starting to feel like regular occasions. Um, Mr Banks was, I think, our highest rated episode last year. Um, I've got to give a big shout out to Morgan. Uh, You've done so much work to make this happen. I feel like we've been discussing this, brother, for months and months and months. But it's a reality. So thank you. Uh, it's been nice. I, I actually drew it out a little bit longer so we could just keep talking, to be honest. 
<laughs> Could have happened way sooner, but I just I was I was enjoying our little conversations. It was nice. I see that's what makes a great rep. He can talk all sorts of crap just to make <laughs> me feel better. Exactly. It's nice to be wanted. Um, but genuinely, you've presented us with so many great beers tonight, and um, it's been a lot of work on your part. So for everyone who walks into a pub on a night and goes, oh, isn't it great you have this lineup? There's not just the people at the pub that make that happen. There's the reps and others who negotiate all of those things. And the fact that we are discussing the second of three magnificent limited releases is all down to you, brother. So thank you for your hard work on that front. No, thank you. And uh, thank you for Chris for delegating the brewers to make these delicious beers. Now, where do we start on a beer like this? So citrusy. Um, who wants to lead us through that? Chris, is that one of your responsibilities? How much involvement did you have in this beer before it left out of the can? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, yeah, that was one of my responsibilities. Um, so that beer started, the idea for that beer um, was kind of a couple of years ago or maybe 18 months ago, there was a lot of milkshake IPAs around. Um, we tried a few. We tried to do a few ourselves that we, you know, some with good um, success and some not so good success. Uh, I think... My first idea to do this beer was when um, we started talking with uh, the guys at Oregon Fruits and then uh, Cryer Malt were actually then took over sort of distributing them into the country and we deal a lot with Cryer Malt so it became a lot easier for us to get um, that sort of stuff. So we basically just went through their fruit list and went that would be good in a beer, that would be good in a beer, that would be good in a beer and then uh, filled, I think we filled half about half of a full container ourselves um, worth of Oregon fruit. And then they filled the other half with other people's orders. So uh, this was one of them that I just looked at and just went, I don't, I don't want to play crazy safe on this one and just go into, you know, a fruited sour or something like that. And just thought, you know, a really citrusy milkshake IPA um, just, it was a specialty, like a limited release fruit that um, Oregon don't, always do so i think i don't know if it's even available still it might be um yeah i just thought you know orange so orange citrusy in a in a sort of hazy ipa or milkshake type ipa it sounded uh like a pretty easy a pretty a pretty good combination so yeah we've got a we're working our way through that uh, half container of fruit as we speak and you know to sort of again peel back the curtain a little bit how do you bet how do you go about the negotiations for those things? Like uh, it's pretty easy these days because Cry Malt do it all for us. Um, they just put their margin on it, but their margin's kind of worth the uh, them doing all the heavy lifting, especially these days. We we ordered all of that fruit. Um, I think what month are we in now? We're in November. We ordered all that fruit last November. And we only saw, I think we saw the, the first beer we did with it was uh, cranberry just here for the pie, I think. And that was in July or August. So, and like that was literally as soon as we could get it. So it was more just all those sort of things seemed to be more just planning um, than anything. Just going, okay, we're willing to say we're going to use this fruit. 
and then we just work. We go, you let us know when it's in, and we we sort of work work our brew schedules around that. But um, for us doing so many limiteds and and stuff like that, it's quite easy to sort of squeeze it in. We don't have to, you know, it's not it's not doesn't have to be set in stone. Sort of two or three months out, we can sort of you know adjust on the fly a little bit. And you don't ever have those sort of lie awake in the middle of the night moments going, I've just committed to this much money for this and it's all good. I personally don't. That's Penny, my wife's job. And she generally will see a purchase order come through and be like, um, why is it $15,000 worth of fruit coming in? So I cop them from her with hops and fruit and, and all sorts of things like that. But, uh, I just tell her just just relax. It'll all it'll all be worth it in the end, and we'll uh we'll make something out of it that's good. And so far, I haven't uh she you know I haven't been too far wrong with it. Well, far from being too far wrong, you must be absolutely on point. I mean, everything sells out. Yeah, we've been trying to get more of all of these beers. They're all sold out, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Look, things we're I don't know. We sort of talk about it quite often. You know, we say are we. Is it, is it sort of, are we in a heater at the moment sort of thing? Or is it, you know, just something that I, I like to think personally, it's because our quality is there. Um, not to say anyone else's isn't. Um, there's plenty of people doing great beer. Um, I, yeah, I do also, you know, the other thing with our beer is always selling out that I think, some people might not understand is like we on the scale of things we are a tiny brewery um we are a very small brewery and i think some people sometimes think we're much much larger than we are uh we don't have an investment team it's funded purely by myself and my wife and we didn't fund we didn't come from money like we started this brewery on two hundred fifty thousand dollars six years ago that i'd saved up for 10 years working in another business um we, I feel like we had a lot of luck along the way. We hit a, we hit a lot of, we, we hit the right things at the right time. I personally feel. Um, and then can I uh, ask what, sorry to cut, what, what do you think the right luck? I think plays an enormous part in all of these sort of things. So what, when do you feel you got lucky? Was there a, a beer you produced or was there a decision to sort of go bigger than you were before or? I, like when we started, I knew I knew it was too early. Um, the first year, I 100% knew that we were jumping in way too early. But I sort of sat there and said, if I don't do this now, because when we first started six years ago, I think there was 350 breweries in Australia. And I, knew, I personally knew of five or six others around Melbourne that were in planning. Um, so I sort of just thought that if we don't do this now, we're going to just fall in. We're going to fall in behind a lot of others. Um, and then I was kind of scared that that would make me a little bit unmotivated to do what I needed to do to get it where it was. So um, we sort of just made the decision. It was, it was, a, it was a you know, right timing sort of thing. I used to work for my dad. He ran a business. It was a machinery company. I ended up managing that business for the last five years I was with him. He had 20 staff. So I learned how to manage a business and run, you know, people under me. I think that is, and my wife Penny is a CA. So that she's, without her, our business would, two years in, we would have been in the ground, I guarantee you. 
I would have spent way too, I would have spent way more money than we ever had, um, and we wouldn't have probably would not have recovered. So she's every bit, you know, as part of the reason that we're you know doing what we're doing as I am. Um, and then same you know same to to say the same things with Morgs. Like I'm a terrible salesman. So Morgs coming on board, you know, having knowing what he was doing and and being able to take over that role, and then you know for the first even we say it was. I don't think any of our brewers are watching. Uh, so we say it was our nicest Christmas party yet, ever. But, you know, we had a nice nice romantic uh, lunch with myself, Morgs and Penny down at a local winery and, and uh, smashed through a couple of bottles of wine. And it was, yeah, it's just, it was, I, th- I feel like everything within our business has been very organic. Um, and back on to the, the topic you were saying earlier with Morgs with growth is, I think growth is not, as he said at the end, is natural um, because if you're not growing, you're either stagnant or going backwards. But we are, I'm also a massive, massive believer in, you know, there's nothing wrong with being small. Like we don't, you know, we don't have to be in every bottle shop and, you know, every Dan Murphy's and in front of every, I, like I go to, I go to barbecues now where, my friends aren't even drinking our beers and that I get offended <laughs> at the start. And then I'm like, ah, you know what? We're not in a bottle shop near you. <laughs> like we are a tiny brewery. We're so small. Chris quickly. It's a weird one. What beers are your mates drinking? Um, there's a lot of Pacific Ale, which I can't, I can't, you know, kick them down for that. Cause it's a fantastic beer. Um, <laughs> A lot of my mates aren't big craft beer people. Um, so there's, a, there's occasionally, you know, your great northerns and, and all that sort of stuff. In saying that, I don't really have any mates these days. Uh, now that I started, I started a business. We're your mates. You're with your oh, mates now. You're with your yeah, mates yeah, now, yeah. mate. Yeah. yeah. And who, and with, with friends, how many that. brewery owners don't have mates? That's wow. magical. That's something kind of. I'm, I'm more just curious on the, I'm more curious on the front that, Chris, have you ever gone to a barbecue where you've just taken your beer and put it in the esky and just seen what the outcome was oh yeah yeah no we do that we've done that all the time like you know there's not a barbecue we don't go to that we take beer at but and and these days it's changing like people are drinking our beer a lot more like my brother-in-law the other week the other day rocked up with a four pack of our beer i'm like oh where'd you get that and he's like oh i bought it from uh i bought it from uh iga in dramana i'm like Got that beer in the fridge, mate. Like, <laughs> but but at least he didn't say uh, you gave it to me six months ago. So I thought you might bring it with me. Uh, I checked the date and it was fresh. It was the most fresh, the freshest batch. So that's good to know that IGA demand is rotating stock. And that does that does actually lead to a question, doesn't it? Which I you know. So you guys are now getting into the IGAs. You're getting Dan Murphys and stuff, or you're looking to. How does that sort of change how you view the the mission of the brewery well do you want to go yeah um we we've i mean we've always worked we've always sort of focused on independence first um that was always sort of the i mean for the first few years at least while i was there that was sort of the the mission we sort of had was try to capture our local market and then grow from there. Um, important you have a really good base. And we sort of work off that sort of taproom model where it's like the taproom is the home and, you know, we generate a lot of the, you know, a lot of the revenue we have to fund the re- other parts of the business are, are done through that. Um, 
in terms of then sort of growing from there, you know, interstate, and then probably more recently, we've, we've started working with Dan Murphy's and, and BWS in there in BWF, BWS and Dan Murphy's local. Uh, so we were, we basically just go direct to store to our local retailers in, in that, in those national chains. Um, and something that we sort of initially tried to stick clear of is that we kind of wanted to be, you know, independent, you know, we're all about that. But I mean, a lot of the great, a lot of our local retailers and other, uh, you know, other good breweries, they stock through there. And there's lots of people that shop at, you know, these at Dan Murphy's at BWS. I mean, I live, I live down in Mount Martha and my most local store is a Dan Murphy's. It's a, it's 200 meters from my house. So it's kind of like, well, maybe I'm being a little bit short-sighted here, or maybe we're being a bit short-sighted. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of people that shop there that might not necessarily buy their beer, don't go to Grape and Grain. They don't go to Carwin Cellars. They don't go to Main Liquor. I'm just trying to think of other interstate big, <laughs> big uh, good craft beer shops, but uh, they don't necessarily shop there. So it's a good it's a good spot for people to go and, and sort of access your beer elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of been a slow growth. We probably don't, again, as Chris said, you know, we're not about trying to get too big, too fast or get as big as we need to be. We're just about sort of selling the beer, keeping it fresh. I mean, it's always the, the, one of the big things from a sales perspective is for me, we start to freak out. If we look in the cool room and things are six weeks old, we're like, Holy hell! Like when oh, you say the so cool old. room, you don't mean us. No, no, mean, yeah, we keep yeah. up here, here in this virtual cool room here. Um, no, no, but like our, our warehouse cool room, we look at it there. Things are getting six weeks old. We start, we start to really panic. Um, probably not so much as much as we we used to, but uh, you know, we want to try and make sure that the core, even the like the core beer from you know the Pilsner, the the Pale Ale, the IPA is is constantly hitting shelves pretty fresh and getting out quickly. Um, that, and that's always been a real focus focus of ours because, you know, we want to make sure our beer is fresh because that's as fresh as it can be because the fresher it is, you know, the, the, the closer to what we vision it to be for people to drink, it's, it's going to be, uh, it, you know, as long as, as long as it's stored well, of course, as well. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions I'm going to ask. In a minute, we're going to move over to the OI Bake, which is such an epic beer that needs some time of its own. Uh, so I'd like people to start queuing up in the uh, in the chat their questions for that. And that's what you get to do if you're joining us live in the Zoom room rather than listening to the podcast. Enormous thank you to the hundreds of people around the world now who listen to the podcast. It's awesome. Almost thousands, but at the moment, hundreds. Um, please do keep subscribing please do keep listening to it. But if you're in the Zoom room with us on a Thursday night, you get to ask the questions. In a moment, we're going to do that with the OI Bake, but I have a couple of questions left about the So Citrusy. And um, look, one of them, to be honest, is about the logoing and the the sort of the, the Banks Brewery, the Mr. Banks. Uh, we know now from the early part of our conversation that it's dog-related and we're very pro-dog-related naming of things. Um, but there's been a few little changes of style there. And, um, well, who's in charge of those changes and how do you see that going forward? Do you want to hear that or you want me to? Uh, I guess when you say style, do you mean in the actual, sorry, you're saying the, the logo well, of the, the Banks cans? logo, Banks Brewing logo, as opposed to Mr. Banks, the... Uh, there's a few little subtle changes as we go along through color schemes and things like that. We're obsessed with some of that stuff. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I guess with this particular beer, I mean, I, I, I actually, I, I sorry, I guess we, we're sort of having, we're in the process of a bit of a, a, a branding update uh, mm, at the moment. That's the kind of scoop we're looking for. Yeah. So we, we, I, I probably, Chris, probably better if you sort of run with this one, but I guess I'll give a little bit of a preface, but um, we are sort of looking at sort of just updating things and it, and it came on the back of, and this actually, sorry, Dave, do you mind if I just sort of go on a bit of a tangent here for a second? Please do. Man, oh, we love tangents. Great. Yes, great. That's how reef. we get our scoop. Oh, I, I got the, a question. It's the 749 traditional scoop. Oh, perfect. There's a, there's a time frame. It's like a, <laughs> never mind, another joke. But anyway, um, I got a question just before. Someone, Damien, in the chat uh, field, uh, fired a question at me about um, uh, the name of a beer we've got all right that started coming up on invoices. So I, Damien, you must have seen an invoice somewhere. I don't know where you've seen it, but there's a there's some untapped check-ins that are coming up as all right. So all right with three eyes is going to be the new name for McConaughey's. Um, so McConaughey's, which is in the, I think it's in the pack this week. Or part it, of it is, and yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, but not- I didn't show it to Damien. So how does Damien know about that? I, I don't know. I think it was to do with untapped, but um, so I, I don't know it fully is. But essentially, so what's happened, and, and maybe I'm stealing your thunder, Chris. Maybe you want to, to tell the story, but I'm already halfway through it, so I'm going to I'm going to keep going with it. Um, so McConaughey's uh, turns out we we kind of Chris came up with that name, um, which was about three and a half years ago, which is. We kind of, it's it's Matthew McConaughey inspired. It's not subtle at all. It's kind of straight up that. We got the can design done and we did a limited release about three and a half years ago. And we thought it was going to be this huge thing. And we brought it out and it sold okay. It wasn't that popular. And then we kept releasing it. And over time, it's become really popular and now become this, one of our highest selling beers, probably our top two or three are highest selling beers consistently. And we finally got McConaughey's. We got it put into a printed can. So we got busy to make up this awesome printed can, uh, gloss can. It looked amazing. And about a month after we put it into those cans, I Chris said to me, he's like, we've made it. This is, this is what we've, this is what we've, I've been talking about. This is the dream of the brewery. And then we got this email, this mysterious email to the generic uh, like bar email from a law firm in New York. And it was really mysterious. <laughs> We're like, what is this? And then Chris rang me about it. He's like, "Hey, this kind of sounds a bit made up. It surely can't be real." I agree. And it was from a it was from a law firm representing Matthew McConaughey, uh, sending us a cease and desist for using his likeness or his brand on a can. We thought it was a joke. We uh, is his we got likeness a, on the can? Well, in terms of his brand, we took his brand, uh, McConaughey's brand, and we used it to advert, you know, make it, you know, and again, this beer had been in production for a couple of years, but we'd never really, it, it had really gained traction. I, I know some lawyers. And on a whole, <laughs> um, and, and McConaughey, like, he doesn't sound like the type of dude. No, he, I agree. He'd be into that. So, I reckon he'd really love that. Nah, he doesn't yeah. seem like a yeah, beer well, dude. He I, just Chris, seems like I, a whiskey dude. No, no, I, Chris. I think you should take the story from here. Oh yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> come on oh, from the source. And, and don't and don't say anything that will make you perjured in the uh, U.S. Supreme Court third nah, rounds. That's nah, of- all good. <clears throat> no, we're, me and him are like that. That's all good. Um, <laughs> so we. Yeah, we got this letter. Um, I actually got forwarded on um, from our bar manager. And I'm like, he's like, oh, we've made it. And I was like, if this is real. We haven't fucking made it. We just spent <laughs> the same amount of money on printed cans. 
And like, I don't think I've ever been so happy when I saw those cans come. I was like, this is it. Like, yep. we've had printed cans before, but I was just like, oh, this can looks so good. I'm so they proud. Really I'm do. So proud. Mm. Yeah. And I was so proud of what we'd done. And then, yeah, literally a month later, get this, uh, this email and I'm like, okay, we've got a guy that's done a few things. We had a lot of issues earlier on um, with the local council and being allowed to, allowed to open our tap room. So we had to take the council to court to be allowed to get that overturned and stuff. So we've had a guy that's been working, a lawyer that's worked with us back and forth for a while. So I just shot it across to him and he's also drinks at the bar. So that helps. Um, so I shot it across to him and just said, Hey mate, any chance you can have a look at this? Uh, not sure if it's bullshit or not, but um, you know, I'd like to get your take on it. He's like, yeah, cool. No worries. Looks legit. Let me look into it. Came back to me about a week later. He's like, so I've spoken to him. It's legit. It's Matthew McConaughey's law team. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay. So he's got just guys up in an office, you know, just doing this sort of stuff, researching all this sort of stuff. And then we got a bit further in talks with it. And they sort of were talking back and forth. And the law their lawyer goes, yeah, Matt's just really annoyed about it because when whenever this sort of stuff happens, he gets really disappointed that people are using his his brand um, to like to promote their product. And I straight away I went, hang on a minute. So Matthew McConaughey knows about this, and he's like, yeah, yeah I was just talking to him this morning about it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I went from being ridiculously pissed off to ridiculously happy because Matthew McConaughey is. He was and still is one of my, my favourite people in the world. Mm. Um, I think very highly of the men, even more so. So we actually got in talks with him um, and we were going to, we were actually going to work alongside him and he was going, he wasn't going to promote it, but he was going to endorse the product. Um, and we were going to have to give him two, it started off as 10 cents and we bargained down to two and a half cents per can in US dollars. Um, of every can sold would go to his American charity. So oh. which is, his American charity is to fight. Um, uh, it's for homeless kids in America. So and right. I'm not sure if anyone's been to America recently, but like last time we were there, the homeless is just out yeah. of control. Oh, yeah. 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 So we, we were we were 100% all for it. Like straight away, we were just like, one, PR-wise, this is, could be incredible. Matthew yeah. McConaughey is endorsing our product. Two, it's going to a good cause. It was, their lawyers were writing up the documents and everything to get it all signed. I sent him a case of beer over um, to his to a place in Texas. You sent that, him a case of beer? Yeah, yeah. That's I was, awesome. I was, I was told that the place was his lawyer's Texas property. His lawyer lives in New York and I Google mapped it and it's some monster ranch in Texas. So I'd say it probably went direct to his house. Um, we're going there next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the whole thing fell over because his lawyer were getting they were getting further into it and um, his deal with Wild Turkey says he cannot endorse or promote another alcoholic beverage. Ah, uh, right. Mm. And are yeah. you allowed to mention his name in reference to another alcoholic beverage or have we just done some enormous nah, sin, which is going to come As in. I said, we're tight, me and him. Oh, <laughs> I feel like if I don't have to edit that out, this is like literally the best cool room story ever. I think like, you have to edit it out, Travis. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. No. 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 The real villain. Maybe, maybe we need to change the cool room question to... When have you been sent a cease and desist letter? Hey, By and, our and star. 
And I think Chris is about to say the real villain are lawyers. No, no, the real villain, the real villain, the sorry, the real villain is Wild Turkey. Oh yeah, okay, oh, bourbon. Bourbon. it's bourbon. Yeah. It's good old bourbon is the real villain. Um, you guys can let me know if I need to edit that out, but that I mean that's an and that's an amazing and, and piece of great story. A little clip along the way, so. like even I'm, though it didn't come off, that's that's such an amazing thing that it got to also, that point where. You had those and, conversations, and, and, yeah. and everyone had good intentions, and I mean that really yeah. genuinely. Yeah, it was just yeah. yeah, and that was the biggest thing on our part. We were like, "Look, they tried to work with us, um, but and it fell over because of, you know illegality." So yeah. it is what it is. Um, but that is basically what started this whole brand refresh. So I pretty much looked at that can and I was like, "Look, the can looks great. I don't want to go and change this." They said they actually agreed to that we could continue and run through all of our existing printed cans that we had. And are they the ones we have tonight in our pack? Yep. That sort of red and yellow. So that's the last of them. Just just to be Uh, clear with those. Yeah, they're they're still super fresh because we're still running through them. So the stock I would have delivered to you guys is probably too... Anyone who's opening a McConaughey's tonight is opening the last of a dying breed. Yeah, no, we've got one more. Two degree. We have one more batch to go, so second last, mm. um, which is getting packed like next week. And then, yeah, McConaughey's is done. The new can looks – so basically, yeah, I looked at it and went, if we just – because if you look at the McConaughey's can, it's all about the design. The McConaughey's down the bottom is quite small. Um, and I was like, if we just change I, – I basically went – because I'm not sure if anyone knows, but the way the way you print cans is it's you can only do up to six colours per can. Um and per color is about $600 for a plate. So yep. I thought I just looked at it and went, this is so much money that we've paid plates for to then just go, we've paid for the design, we paid plates. So I was just, I, it made the tired ass in me, but I was trying to cut, cover some costs. So I covered the design cost a little bit and just went back to our designer and said, can you change the name? So we went back and forth for ages, um, me and Morgs and, and the other guys, and we were just sort of like, what are we gonna call this beer? And I think from almost from day one, we're like, maybe we should call it all right, all right, all right. And we were like, look, he did the right thing. We're not going to piss him off completely. So we were like, we'll piss him off a little bit. (laughs) So we just went, all right, let's call it all right with three eyes. So we got that redone on the can and it's in a little bit bigger, but it's still with the existing, the way the can was sort of looking, it, it just... I, to me, I was like, we're, we're paying this much money to run this can again and all we're doing is changing one name on it. I said, I need something else mm. to make this, to make me feel like we're actually, this is worth it. So we sort of threw around the idea and we're like, hey, look, we've, we've done so many different logos for, our, like, for the brewery over the last five years. We've had two probably main ones um, that we've changed up over the time. But then, you know, all our limited cans the logo can change. We're pretty fast and loose with it. Um, we like to try and think that the design, because we've used basically the same design for the last three and a half years, but the design uh, has a pretty specific style that you can kind of tell that it's one of our beers on the shelf from the design is what we were sort of hoping and, and that we feel. So um, we decided that we'll change the logo on this. And then we started working with the designer back and forth with the logo. And it basically just snowballed into a big thing. Um, basically from day one, I wanted to call the brewery 
Banks Brewing. Mm. I, I went to everyone and said, I've got the name for the brewery. Everyone being, you know, family and friends and Penny, my wife. And so I've got the name of the brewery. We're going to call it, so because my dog's name is Banks. My dog is not Mr. Banks. He's not his Banks. Um, so I was like, we're going to call it Banks Brewing. We'd come up with so many bad generic names. This was the best I got. And I'm like, this is it. I'm done. And I got the worst response ever from it. So I, I was like, I was pretty gutted, to be honest. I went away and then started just thinking about it for like another couple of days. And then I came back to the same people. I'm like, all right, what about Mr. Banks? And everyone went, oh, yeah, I really like that. You know, it's like Mary Poppins. It's this, it's that. Um, Banks, our dog, was named after Adam Banks, the uh, elite ice hockey uh, prodigy from the Mighty Ducks movies. So, um, you know, but we, I, so I sort of just, I really started pushing to Morgs and to Penny and it's, it's really me, Morgs and Penny that make these big decisions like this. Um, and I really started pushing to them. I'm like, look, I think Mr. Banks for us was great at the start, but I think as our brand has gone, our brewery and brand has gone for the whole existence. I just think we, not outgrew it, but I think we've evolved. And I think a lot of people, 90% of the people that come into the brewery call us banks anyway. So, and from, you know, people that we know from distributors interstate and talking to, and friends and stuff like that, they all call it banks. They go, oh, we're going to banks or I'm drinking a banks or you're, you know, drawing a four pack of banks. And we are like, it just made an easy thing for the natural evolution of, of like our brand and our brewery to just drop the mister and just be, you know, just be a little bit more sort of streamlined approach, um, a little bit simpler, still us, a little bit, we think with the logo, a little bit funner, a little bit retro, but something that like the brief to our designer, in all honesty, was like Santa Cruz logo, something that is recognizable everywhere, has a little bit of retro character to it, but I think Personally, I think it's kind of timeless in a way. Do you actually consult with your dog about these things or, you know, is it just you personally when you go to the brewer or the designer, I even should say, like, how, how does that work? Because I freak out every time I go have a conversation with Travis and Warren about, you know, do you think we should have one more wheat sheaf over on the left-hand side of the courtroom logo yeah it, look this was this was a huge i do consult thanks to dog on every every decision we make yes good man um, it was it was a monster decision that we've been talking about the last 12 months and i've been personally i've been strongly strongly advocating for it so i suppose love it or hate it i'm to blame um so if you, <laughs> if you are yeah it's i don't know i as i said i think it's just I think it's the right move for us in so many ways. Um, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's nothing we haven't done for the last five years. We've changed so many times. There were, it won't be the last time we ever, we ever use a different logo. We merch, every bit of merch we have has a different logo on it. And there's never ever the same branding done on anything. Um, so many limited releases, our limited release, all the core cans will be changing next year. What? In, Can in you give design. us a little, bit of, a little bit of scoop on what that'll look like? Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping that one down. Um, they're all going to be changing. They're, a lot of the beers will stay the same um, or be similar um, with just a, it's, it's a, it's just a, it's a facelift on, 
on what we feel was just a, getting a little bit, I don't know if tired is the right word, but, a, you know, change is as good as a holiday, as they say. And, uh, you know, if it, even if, if all it does is refresh the venue so that, you know, the locals are coming, that are, you know, continuously coming to us or that, you know, keep coming back to us, come in and go, oh, there's new, you know, that people love it when, if we build a new seat, they're like, oh, the seats look awesome. So, so we're kind of like, you know, we, we throw some new branding up and have some new merch and, and have stuff like that. People get excited about it. And that's what gets us excited because, you know, we're not a marketing company and we don't profess to be one. We're all about, we're about making good beer, great beer and making, you know, a fun environment and a fun business for anyone that works there, comes to the brewery and, you know, wants to hang out basically. Well, I've got to say that's a, a really good segue for me because um, I love going out to Seaford and genuinely going to Mr. Banks. Uh, I have so many good customers out there. Mark, I can see you here on Zoom. Uh, Matt and the other Matt and uh, Jeff, so many people out there in East Road. I know who you know where I'm going out there now in Seaford. It's fantastic. I can't wait to gather us all together at a spot where we can be and drink beer together rather than just me dropping off beers and messaging you when I've been there. Um, I'm going to hand over to my very, very good friend, Travis. Travis, thanks for picking up some of the slack from my point of view on this front. Um, we're about to hit one of the most impressive beers I think we've ever had in the cool room. Um, it's the OI bike. Um, take it away, brother. Um, just before you do, Trap, that was, oh. as as a logo, yeah, no, screw you both. As a logo branding kind of businessy guy, Chris, that was the most fascinating, interesting piece about about the the identity of a of a of, of so, something like it's obviously it's something you love, but that was the most insightful thing I've heard. Like I think yeah. pretty much on the podcast in terms of how the logo has, has developed and your thoughts and, and starting off with the story about Matthew McConaughey, we, I, I, I'm totally with you. I think he's amazing. Um, I like that story didn't take any polish off him at all. Uh, no Johnny Knoxville, but. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, like the guy didn't like like the guy didn't work for two years because he decided he didn't want to do romantic comedies anymore. He wanted to do drama, and he just took it in the like he must have lost he would have lost millions in that time because he wanted to do his craft. Like he's one of my favorite dudes, and that whole story is remarkable. Like. I'm I'm going to chime in now, Warren, because I feel like if I don't chime in now, you're going to become, this podcast is going to become a Matthew McConaughey fan fest and we'll never, ever, ever get out of the loop of it. There's already been talk in the chat about <laughs> favourite films. Um, guys, we I'm, I'm hoping everyone is ready to open this beer because... Like David said, I, I'm not sure we've ever had a beer like this on the podcast before. This is going to be just before like a beer on, uh... to finish the night on. Um, if we've all opened it, I'm going to pour my beer. And while I'm doing that, like Chris, we're we're finishing this this podcast tonight in complete style. Can you take us through a journey of this beer? Um, 
tell us about the whole thing, the glass work, the what what are we expecting when we drink this beer? Yeah, sure. Um, firstly, just before we go off the Matthew McConaughey thing, uh, a little recommendation. <laughs> yes, do it. If uh, if anyone hasn't read Green Lights, it's amazing. Ah, like I've never read a book so quick. I don't read a lot. Is that days. his book? I'm sorry, I've got no idea what it is. Yeah, it's Green Lights is. Uh, it's I wouldn't call it an autobiography. It's just more of a, a book of stories. It's mm. it's pretty incredible. And it's a very, very easy read. So I would uh, I would highly recommend it. I can actually, if you want, I can post it, my copy out to you and you can all just share it around. <laughs> so, that would be such a cool room thing to do. Yeah. We totally only have that. one copy between the 200 of us. <laughs> and we could we'd sign our names on the front cover as we handed it around. That'd be really awesome. Write a little message. Nice. That'd be sick. Nice. Okay. I'm, I'm bringing this back on track. Yeah. We are passing McConaughey. We are talking about <laughs> this OI bake. Chris, take us through it, mate. It's cool. So we, I mean, we, you know, we've done quite a few pastry stouts over the last mm, probably, yeah, 24 months or so. Um, it's something that we really enjoy doing. They're probably one of the funnest beers for us um, on the brewing team. Um and if anything, I do actually get occasionally get to jump in on those days because they are such long days. Um, so we, the way, one of the big things about us uh, with these beers is making sure that we don't use any adjuncts. Um, we use all natural ingredients. If there's any nuts in a beer, we toast them ourselves. Um, you know, we use real vanilla. One of the big things is those brew days for us are about the minimum 18 hour days. So we generally run three shifts across the day and we just take first runnings. Um, so to gain as much sugar as we can from, uh, from all the mashes, we mash about six times, six to seven times over the day. And basically, so our brew house is currently an electric um, brew house. As soon as we get over those elements, we turn the kettle on and that kettle doesn't stop boiling until the last batch is completely done and we will transfer, we transfer batches out while continuing to boil. So we boil on those oh, days. Wow. Can, can, can you explain, yeah. like I'm, most people in the room right now, our Zoom people will know what that means. Yeah. But perhaps just for those who are newer and listening to a podcast, I mean, can you talk about what that day looks like? You talk about how, you, how you're extracting the sugars. How how much grain are you delivering? How many other products are you delivering? Like if you if you saw it all on a football field in front of you, what would it look like? So on those on those brew days, so we we don't get huge volumes out of these beers. We we probably get into tank at the end of one of those 18 hour days about 22 heck, so 2200 liters. Um, we will use about two to two to two point eight ton. Of grain on those days. It's an enormous amount. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Yeah. So our starting our starting gravities on those beers are generally in specific gravity around 1.140 ish um, at least. And they finish quite high. So this one you're drinking there, it finishes at 1040. Um, yep. so yeah, we basically, we boil for anywhere between on all of our pastry stouts. Minimum boil for a pastry stout for us is eight hours. So we boil for eight to 15 hours, depending on what we're going for with the beer. 
Um, and that's purely just to get mouthfeel and viscosity basically. Um, and like a bit of caramelization. Um, but this specific beer as well, we had our chef in on that day who runs our kitchen. Uh, it was middle of COVID. So he was more than happy to come in and cook. Um, but we had him in and we made hundred and it was 160 or 180 liters of salted caramel sauce as well that we added throughout the boiling process. Um, and then we also toasted, I think about 60 kilos of macadamia nuts. And then we condition on macadamia nuts and uh, Tahitian vanilla as well in the bright tank before packaging. So um, yeah, super rich, chocolatey, caramelly, <clears throat> fudgy like um, nutty character of a beer. Um, we vary hugely in the amounts of vanilla we use, depending on the other adjuncts that we put in. Um, and yeah, that we we found the nuts. We we found a good way to do nuts. I think you really got to cook cook the nuts well. Like we use them, we cook them in our um, commercial pizza oven. So you really have to do oh. that, otherwise the oils just destroy. I mean, these beers are not known for having good head retention anyway. Like mm. an adjunct stout is never going to have good head retention um, or not great. But, you know, we found that the, by toasting them to, we almost toast them until they're burnt pretty much. Hang on. Let, let's back up a second. You toast your nuts in the pizza oven. Yeah. So you just like put a tray of nuts in the pizza oven, toast them away and then straight in or? Yeah, yeah. So we toast. <clears throat> so generally when we toast we toast nuts we toast coconut um pretzels all sorts of stuff um but when we do when we do that it takes yeah it's probably every again every bit of seven to eight hours coconut is generally the worst because we have to use the most and it's real it burns really quick um so you have to be constantly turning it um and then yeah we basically after that, we just put them into sanitized bags um, and then we've got a, you know, a clean bright tank ready to go. And then we put it straight in the, back, in the bright tank and then we rack the beer on top of the nuts or vanilla or whatever else. But yeah, it's like they're hugely labor intensive, these beers. That day yeah. that our chef, you know, we, we had an 18 hour brew day and then our chef was in as well. Our chef was in as well for, you know, eight hours making 160 odd liters of salted caramel. And then we toasted macadamia nuts for eight hours and then you know we're even just the vanilla stage that we do being we use real vanilla by the time you blend all that up and and then soak that in in whatever spirit to sort of make sure it doesn't have any bugs or anything like that in it yeah they're just they're massively arduous days and and beers to make but like we get so much joy out of them personally um out of doing them because it's you know it's doing something different uh the results that we've seen you know, and the, re the results we've seen personally from tasting them and from other people have, have been, you know, people have really, really enjoyed a lot of these big stouts that we've done over the last year and a half. So we are, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to stop doing them. And yeah, we're just kind of throwing as many as we can in. So if you, if you do have a can that uh, has any flaky bits in it at all, again, I said we don't filter. Um, there was some macadamia traces that did actually come through in some cans, but don't worry. It's just a little, like a little sprinkle of nuts on the top of a Sunday. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Did, we did, yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt. We did have that happen. Was that month of Sundays? Um, we uh, had, yeah, yeah. 
We did. Um, we had one at one point. One of the pastry stats we did this year. We had uh, what nut was in it again? I can't remember. Um, peanuts. Peanuts. Yeah, we had a when we were packing it. Um, we had just a ton of uh, peanut matter come come through uh, on on the pack day, which was the first time. I and I remember actually Chris rang me because uh, I was out on the road doing whatever, and he's like there's all these nut like all this nut matters come through. So when it was settling in the glass, when you actually poured it in, we just had it was just this nut matter there. And we were like, oh, can we really sell this? Can we send it out? But it, it it it's this is the risk of producing or doing making these beers and 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 throwing the actual, you know, not not using any extract or anything like that. We're just throwing the actual you know nuts in the beer. And we're not filtering. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't speak for the pro- production process, as I don't. <laughs> I don't sit there and make the beers. Um, but that was one thing we did. And and I, I was like, ah, no, nah, it's fine. We'll just send it out. It'll be all right. But Chris insisted on. We had a whole lot of stickers printed on. So we went back, opened up the cases that we had actually packed, and Chris insisted on putting the stickers on the top of the cans. I told him not to worry about it. He's like, no, no, we're doing it. And I'm kind of glad that he <laughs> in hindsight. But just to basically point out that, you know, this beer, this Imperial Pastry set that we made, Month of Sundays, um, had, you know, had bits in it. Natural I mean, they were, yeah, I mean, they were, they were, they're totally fine. It was drinkable. It was just nuts. But like you, when you're pouring a beer into a glass, I mean, when you open a can, you, you, you see sediment or anything in the bottom of it, you're always a little bit wary of what it is. But this was just a way of explaining what that was. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't have that. Obviously, we didn't have that. I mean, uh, sorry, we did. Sorry, we did have that issue with this can, this particular beer. I didn't know that. So. Yeah, it, was only, it was only a very, very few in that one. Um, I've got one more question to ask you. We're going to throw to the Zoom room to ask a couple of questions. We've got a little bit of time left, and you guys have been like amazing with your time tonight. Where we're pushing on the two-hour mark. Uh, so very quickly before we throw to audience questions in the zoom room if you could drink this beer anywhere or anytime with any food what would you guys choose to have with it i was pretty happy with that question Travis. i reckon I don't that's what we don't ask it's more. a great question david um i would say anywhere anytime and with what food that's it's almost as much as you know yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I'd say if, I mean, that sort of beer in front of a fire, um, probably sun's just gone down, fire's crackling away, whether you're inside or out. Um, what food <clears throat> wouldn't really be good for diabetics, but I'd go maybe a, uh, little schmore or something on the side. Are you thinking oh, somewhere call. sort of snowy? Is it cold outside? Or yeah, I wouldn't mind being uh, in the in the Alpine region somewhere. That'd be pretty so nice. So why why did you release it in September? Uh, beer tells us when the beer's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's, that's a that's a perfect answer. Uh, we had a couple of questions in the Zoom room. Um, Paul, if you're in the Zoom room, do you want to unmute? yourself and ask one of your questions mate because you're a massive mr banks fan oh uh, yeah i'm a bit of a tragic um hey chris um hey morgan um well, can tell you guys really really love your job um which is as an avid home brewer um love brewing i've, lo- I've done i've done the sums i've done the spreadsheet 
um, I've sought advice, spoken to a few pseudo mentors about <clears throat> how do you go commercial. It's really daunting. Um, the barriers, um, things like excise, um, packaging, insurance, you know, I'm in a green wedge zone here on acreage. I've got plenty of land, but I'm not allowed to brew here. You know, it'd be very difficult anyway. So I guess one of my questions, um, maybe more to Chris, I'm assuming you were a home brewer at one stage, um, <clears throat> aside from saving up a quarter of a million bucks, which is no mean feat. Um, and you did talk about someone that helped you sort of transition to commercial. <laughs> What, what would your advice be to someone who's super passionate about brewing, um, realistic about the challenges? And it's a very different market now probably to when you began. But how, 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 do, I, how do we keep the faith? How do we have a crack at it without bombing in six months and having to mortgage the home and um, breaking our marriage up? <laughs> I know it's a big question, but um, is it possible? What is it still possible? Is there a bit of magic there that we can ponder and you know what would your advice be um yeah yeah so we like we did put our house up as collateral for a bank loan as well um so i didn't, didn't save 250 we saved half of that and then got another half um off the bank <clears throat> we uh as you said it is very different these days um we sort of started the way uh like a moon dog started um, I went and, you know, drove halfway around Victoria and, and bought recycled dairy tanks and, and got local stainless welders to weld elements into them and, and hook up pumps. And that was how our originally, original brewery was actually set up. Um, there's, the, uh, there's a brewery that bought that off us uh, when we decided it was time to upgrade because we being a one man at that stage, it was just me and Morg still. Um, I was a one-man show and those brew days were, you know, really long, arduous days. So uh, I jumped on a plane, went to China and, you know, got some equipment that way. <clears throat> um, starting off that way was, there's no way I could have done the China way personally with, with the money I had um, or the way we were doing it without investment or something like that. Um, no way I would have been able to do it by going direct and going straight to China without having that system the way it is. That system still runs. Um, the brewery in Brisbane is Brendale, um, who yep. now uses our system, our old system, or as far as I know, he still does. Um, <clears throat> that Doing something like that, we basically, we sort of just said, we're going to throw this money at it and we're going to do it as a hobby. And we did, like, <laughs> it's possible. We probably started the business in the worst possible time you ever could. We, I, my first, my daughter was just born. Um, so my wife went back to work and was basically funding us. Um, and I was looking after my daughter while going in, you know, well, I had one fermenter, I had two bright tanks and one fermenter, which is mm. completely nuts and completely the wrong way around now. Cause now we've got too many fermenters and not enough bright tanks. Um, but yeah, so we sort of juggled that and that was really handy for the first, the first sort of year or so to be able to have some money coming in for us personally and have this investment sitting there. I also shared, um, we basically just, we made it work however we possibly could. I shared a factory with my brother-in-law who owned a jet ski manufacturing company. So like, <laughs> like literally on our open day, we had our first few beers pouring and I had big curtains made up 
that were like floor to ceiling, like six meter curtains to block off the mechanical areas of the jet ski. So if people wanted to come down and look at the brew, they weren't like, hang on, why is there jet skis here? So it was like, it was very haphazard and, haphazard and all over the place. Um, I do think there's a way to still do it, definitely. I think obviously the safest route is to start with, to get some sales and stuff is contract um, where you can. Green wedge, yes, is very hard to do anything on. We did look at, at that as well at some stage. Um, that's why we chose a factory. Factory is a lot easier or a small factory. Um, I, I think there's a way, if I could give you any advice, it would be in every possible way, try and do it on your own. Because I, I, the most own encouraging own. advice I, I got was to gypsy brew. Let, let someone else carry the overheads, get your brand out there. Yeah, but um, I, would say, I like if, if personally, and this is just the way that we, that I believe in the way I, we've run our business, but the investment route is very tricky and, you know, can burn you pretty, pretty easily. You, you know, you end up, you end up working and doing something that other people want you to do. And we have, to me, that's not why we started a brewery. We have one last question from Shannon and then we're going to wrap things up. And uh, everyone in the Zoom room, you get to hang around afterwards and have a, have a chat and a beer and ask those questions that we didn't get around to answering uh, during the podcast record. Shannon, uh, over to you. One last quick question, mate. Go for it. Thank you. Um, yeah, Chris, you mentioned earlier that you, you know, you're a small brewery and, you, and you've probably remained a small brewery, but you've hit that element of being a, a hype brewery and I'm interested in how hard that challenge is of being that hype brewery and, and how you keep your edge and stay out in front because surely you guys can't ignore the fact that you know you're right up the top of the echelon of beer in this country at the moment uh thank you we don't we definitely don't take it for granted um and it, it completely shocks us as well uh we as I said earlier, I think a lot of things worked in our favour at the right time. I think when, you know, we, we've, we've sort of always tried to be one of the breweries that if something new happens, like if there's a new style or a new beer or a new something, like we try and be one of the first to have a crack at it, not just to be one of the first, but to sort of, to figure out whether it's right for us or not. Um, and like, you know, I mean, Brewed IPA is an example. I think we're in maybe the top 10 brews in Australia to make one. We pretty quickly figured out that style wasn't for us, um, as most people did. Uh, but was I it, think as far that, what as... Was that, was it the knife fight or what was that one? Uh, that was called... No, that was called um, Champagne for My Real Friends. Oh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was, it was nice. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, as, as far as... It is, it, it's actually really hard um, to try and, like a lot of people see, I say hype brewery and they sort of, I don't know, I, I feel like there's some bad connotations that come with that. Um, like we appreciate it if, if that's what people consider us in. We really want to just be known for making really good beer, um, whether that's hype beer or our, what our hype beer is, which is, the big, the big phones. <laughs> but, uh, I guess I, I think 
Shannon's question was the difficulty of being regarded as a hype brewery, even, like, if what, even if you're a really good solid brewery. So, but I think that's Shannon's not sort of. That's definitely yeah. what I was getting at, you know. So uh, ignoring the the absolute wankers that you know <laughs> are in the business. <laughs> so it's hard. Like, yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, we we just in the end. As a, as a, yeah, I've sort of gone back on it. We're, we're a small brewery. We're a real small team. We try not let things get to us and we try and make, we're trying to make the beers that we, that we want to drink and that we think other people want to drink. Um, and that's also, you know, then going back uh, to answer the question before is how do you go about doing is it possible to start a brewery and how do you go about doing it? I think by doing it your way and the way you want to and being able to adjust on the fly and make these changes and go, you know what? We haven't made a triple IPA in a while. Let's make a triple IPA. Like they're the, as much, as much as they're not the same questions, I feel like they're kind of the same answers across the board for those two. Yeah. I've answered that in a way. Guys, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, (laughs) As always, you guys have been fucking amazing with your time and, you know, we love what you do and hopefully you, you keep doing what it is. The beers are absolutely amazing. Uh, for all those in the Zoom room and listening on the podcast, keep your eyes peeled on the Facebooks for stuff coming up in December because we are not going to stop doing what we do. We love what we do here in the core room and uh, hopefully in However many episodes time we'll get Mr. Banks on and uh, and have a, another chat. But um, uh, the November pack's still available. I think there's a few left. We've got uh, Vault City and Moondog happening. David's give me a nod. There's still some available. So eight, eight packs, brother. There you go. Eight packs still available. I by lose time, money on every single one of them. By the time you hear the podcast, it's probably going to be none, but that's okay. Uh, Chris and Morgan, thank you very, very much for the time. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Guys, appreciate you having us on. Everyone in the Zoom room, feel free to hang around and have a chat and a drink and uh, continue to ask questions if the guys can hang around because that's uh, that's what we do here in the Zoom room. And uh, we will see you all very, very soon. Cheers, guys. Hey, Chris, can I jump in with one more selfish yeah. question? Yeah, of course. I didn't even let me finish hitting up. or stop on the record there. <laughs> I'm, oh, like I'm trying to go to the bathroom. Like... We'll be back in a second. But yeah, I want in the uh, meantime, one more question. Uh, Chris, Morgan, and everyone else, obviously, thank you so much for your time tonight. That's two hours is incredibly generous for a podcast. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Thank no, thanks for having us on. Thanks, guys. I'm going to hit stop on the record now and then we can uh, continue to chat and ask our questions away.